0: Amen, everybody. This is Brother Frank. Welcome to another episode of the Remnant Call. Glad to have you here tonight. I'm excited, fired up, because we have Brother Benjamin back on with us. And folks, if you haven't If you haven't been watching the news, I don't know what to tell you, but we are living in dangerous times. And uh, here at the Remnant Call, we want this show, as we've said many times before, as I've said here and other guests, this is not just about a warning. It is about a change in your life. Uh, If the Lord, as Brother Benjamin was just talking to me a moment ago, if the Lord is not protecting you in these last hours, folks, it's over. We need God's protection, his provision, and that comes by hiding ourselves under his wings. You know, so often you hear this term, well, it's all about Jesus. Well, what does that mean? Well, when it's all about Jesus, when it's all about the Lord, that means everything in our lives are about what he desires for us to do. Because it's not our will, but it's his will. And when his will is being done in our lives, I'm telling you, folks, you will experience joy that is unmatched. It's unparalleled. That's what the Lord desires because he has a mission for each one of us. And in this final hour, he's calling his people to come forward. He has something for us to do, but we need to make the preparations and the preparations are on our knees in our prayer closets, in the word of God, and that way we will hear his voice clearly and it won't be muttered out by the voices and the technology of Babylon, but it will be coming clearly through his word and by his spirit. And so tonight we're going to bring on Brother Benjamin because we got an action-packed program called the Chariots of Fire. And so with no longer wait, I'm going to bring on Brother Benjamin. Benjamin, are you here with us? Frank? Hey, brother. Hey, brother. Hey, I'm God here. bless you. I'm, I'm glad. I know you've been like nose to the grindstone for a, a little while, but glad to have you back on the Remnant Call.
1: Hey, thank you. Good to be here.
0: Amen. Well, Brother Benjamin, I know have got a lot to unpack tonight, so would you just open up with a word of prayer for the audience here, and let's get going.
1: Okay. Well, everybody else, uh, please stand with us. Hallelujah. Father... We come as your people, and we come boldly to the throne of grace according to your commandment. And we come in Jesus' name. We come in the name of your only Son. Father, the needs that are represented by the people listening to this program are beyond my understanding. But you know all things. Lord, I lift up the people whose hearts need a touch from you, whose bodies need healing from you, whose families need restoration, whose homes need your visitation, and whose lives need your salvation, Lord. And I stand in the gap, and I shout, Holy, Holy, Holy is the Lord. And, Lord, you are enthroned in the heavens. You are enthroned over all creation. And, Lord, you chose your mercy seat as your throne of glory. So we ask for mercy tonight for people in need. In a desperate hour, your time of judgment draws close, Lord. Those who have ears to hear, those who sense and discern by your Spirit, need not be told that the time is almost upon us. We have months left now before the world changes. But Lord, you're warning your little remnant and bidding whoever would come to, to leave the defiled house of Babylon behind and come within the ark of salvation. Come into the holy place. Wash our hands. Cleanse our garments. Lord, you will wash our feet. If we will but cooperate with you, you'll give us new garments that are clean. And you'll give us safe passage into the refuge of the remnant. That we could be hidden from the storm that is about to be unveiled. And I thank you, Lord, for we are vexed. We grieve daily at the wickedness that is now commonplace in this ungodly land. The evil of the dark ones is now being displayed before our very children in schools and libraries across this land. The perverted ones would would twist and, and injure and defile the minds of babes. It was not enough that they would kill the babies. Now they want to defile the living ones as well. Lord, we ask for your intervention let heaven enter the verdict that has already been reached before your court, Almighty one, and stop this insanity before it gets worse. For the days grow darker, Lord. I thank you that you are still the God of mercy. I thank you, Lord, that the door of salvation remains open. I thank you that there is yet a way home for the prodigals. And I thank you, Lord, that your word remains true and all of your promises are yes and amen in the deliverance of Jesus Christ for the price that was paid for the salvation of your few was infinite. The blood that was spilled to cleanse us from our sins was priceless. We must repent. So, Lord, I pray your Holy Spirit would touch and convict and encourage and heal and bless your remnant people tonight. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen. Amen.
0: Amen. Well, God bless you, brother, and uh, I know you have been. You and I have talked a little bit. Um, a lot has happened since the last time you were on the Remnant call.
1: Boy, isn't it amazing? <laughs> Things are really moving, aren't they? looks like we're going to have a war with Iran momentarily.
0: It's not looking pretty, that's for sure. They're, they're teeing
1: bad. it up, aren't they, Frank? You know, first, Iran has uh, um, certainly been publicly, um, I guess, Uh, the jury's is in the public conclusion is they were responsible for the attacks on those oil tankers and now they've shot a u.s. drone out of international airspace you know we're just going to keep marching down the road the time has come brother time indeed has come it's astonishing how it's all happening so fast isn't it
0: it is it is happening fast and and it's going to happen one morning we're going to wake up and this will be a different place
1: yeah, absolutely right. And I know the, a lot of people are beginning to sort of circle the time. Um, I sent you a pretty amazing uh, YouTube. I don't know if you've had a chance to watch the whole thing, but um, the brother that did it picked out a couple of uh, clues from you know different publicity sources, like the the cover of the Economist and you know some other some other items that were put out into the public view that would indicate the that the plan is indeed to start the Great War this fall and you know, we've been circling this the date of the you know, the fall of twenty nineteen to the fall of twenty twenty for for a while as as the window for the fulfillment of all of the timing countdowns that are presented in Scripture. I mean Frank, isn't it amazing how many I mean, everything that's lined up from the seventy year reign of America Babylon, starting in You know, the spring of 1949 when we were crowned the Queen of the Nations at the signing of the NATO Treaty, which occurred in Washington, D.C. on April 4th, 1949, to the 70-year captivity of of, uh, end-time Israel, which, having been regathered in the natural, has been left in spiritual slavery in the spirit and how the church too in the West has really been overturned you know we're going to, we're going to see tonight we're going to look at some scripture where the the Holy One talks about um, giving the commandment to his watchers to go in and, and to defile the temple and how in fact the the temple in our time which is the, the Church of the New Covenant, the church of the of the you know, Christian faith here in these last days, how the Christian church has been defiled. And how it's been filled with the the slain and, and the word for slain is is actually the polluted, the profane. And so you know, the churches are, are defiled and and they're filled with people that are walking in sin. They're covered in sin. No wonder they can't hear the revelation from heaven. No wonder they can't discern the difference between the false prophet and, and the true. They themselves are defiled. They're polluted. They're spiritually dead. They've been wounded in the head. Jesus referred to them in the letter to the church of Laodicea and he, and he said, you're blind. And the word literally means mentally ill. Their spiritual mind is sick. And the sickness is unto death. And this is a fairly... It's actually a fairly serious situation. Although the the defiled church is in denial, I mean, the the first thing the sin and the defilement did was produce spiritual blindness. And so, you know, the people are comfortably numb and unaware that their hour of judgment is about to come upon them. And, and it's very clear in, in the writings of Jeremiah that the judgment on America Babylon would be Holy, unperceived. And only a small little remnant would see this coming. As far as the rest of this nation is concerned, they're never going to see it until it hits them in the face, which is going to be a few months from now, apparently. Um, you know, it's really fascinating, Frank, and I, I really want to get into the scriptures in Ezekiel tonight, but what, what I find so fascinating is um, in that YouTube video maybe you can put it up in the link or in the notes for this program sure. um, and I don't ascribe to everything that uh, that is on that on that YouTube but the the brother that produced it presents a very compelling case that this fall and in particular the window of time October to November Um has been appointed for the beginning of the rise of the kingdom of Antichrist, for the beginning of the World War, and you know the crisis is about to be sprung upon us. And, and he, in fact, circled the day, November 21st, 2019. And what I found so fascinating, Frank, is that day, November 21st, that's the day I was translated into the future 23 years ago to witness the judgment that would come upon the United States of America and upon the apostate church. And you know those of you that have heard my messages before you're well familiar with what I'm talking about. Some of you this may be your first time you've ever heard me teach or really share my testimony because my life is really the prophecy. I'm just telling you what happened. But I was taken to the future. This was no vision. I wasn't sleeping. I was standing on my feet in my living room, and I was taken, and I saw what's about to come, brother. And, in Frank, this November 21st, it'll be 23 years. What I find so fascinating is Jeremiah and his scribe Baruch, they prophesied against the state of Israel, the kingdom of Israel, for 23 years and then the judgment came and what's really fascinating is, you know, if you look back at the history of the last hundred years the leadership of the dark side was very clear in the late eighteen hundreds that three world wars had been planned and that they were going to be used to create the one world government of the beast and the first war would occur at the beginning of the twentieth century and and it would bring about the a trans, total transformation of the nation-states. The Second War would occur sometime in the middle of the 20th century, and it would be used to recreate the State of Israel and to unleash communism as a force to destroy Christianity, which is exactly what has happened in much of the world. And that the Third World War would occur sometime in the early part of... Of the 21st century and it would usher in the reign of the dark ones and the rise of the Saturning, saturnic kingdom and the reign of the antichrist and world war one is a bookend world war three is the other bookend and the first world war frank it ended on November 11th 2018 pardon me 1918 it ended at 11 a.m., 11 minutes after 11 on November 11. So it was 11-11, 11-11, the date and the time in the year 1918. Well, if you go forward to November 21st, 2019, you are 101, year, 101 years and 10 days from the end of World War I well why is that important? Well the number 101 and 10 is actually 10110. And 10110 is actually a critical number in numerology and it marks the end of time. It's also the the Bible verse that is the verse 10110, that number of verses is the verse in which God stopped time and turned the sun back 10 degrees. And so, ten eleven zero, 0, which is also the zip code for New York, New York, the capital of end-time Babylon. But it's fascinating that in that 101 years is this perfect compass of time. Frank, if you take the time period, the 23 years that represents essentially my warning of this country, it's 8,400 days. And if you take the 101 years, the compass between World War One, it's 36,900 days. And I've warned for 23 years come this November. Even as Jeremiah and, and my distant ancestor Baruch, his scribe, even as they warned for 23 years this will be 23 years for me. What's really fascinating, Frank, just another coincidence, right? That 8,400 days if you divide it by the entire compass of time from the beginning of this countdown, which, you know, the end of World War I, if you divide it by the 36,900 days since 1918, it's exactly 23%. So it's 23 years and 23%. You've got to love
0: that number 23s. 23. Yeah.
1: yeah. And, of course, the number 23 is the number of judgment unto death. 23,000 died in the Judgment in the Wilderness. So anyway, uh, we may be knocking on the door here, Frank, and the events that are happening right now in the Persian Gulf, particularly with this uh, the war drums that keep beating with respect to Iran, uh, they may well be pointing us in in the direction of uh, a war sooner or later, and by that I mean over the course of this coming summer, and you know, as one tries to bookmark the the reference points of these prophecies, you know I think you know as the, the brother in that YouTube pointed out when a baby's born, it's not one year old until twelve months later in that first year you're really you're you're at the age of zero and you're just headed to your first birthday after your first birthday you're not two for another year, so you know if if we've benchmarked and bookmarked these dates correctly, the seventieth year, it opens up in the fall of nineteen. And the seventy-first year starts in the fall of 2020. So that would be that be our window for the fulfillment of all these things, and for the for the beginning of the great tribulation or the reign of the dark ones. And well, Frank, it's kind of looking like it's about to go down. So um, you know, for those who are ready, there's go ahead.
0: Be a good thing to be prepared.
1: I think the only preparation that is really necessary is the spiritual preparation. Amen. I mean, I know, and it's fine if you want to buy extra tuna fish. You know, personally, I prefer salmon or trout, but hey, in a famine, tuna is good. It's fine to stockpile, you know, things that you think you might need. You know, that's great. But the Lord said, I will protect that which is mine. He didn't say, I'll protect those who have tuna fish. <laughs> or those who've got extra toilet paper. You know, those things can be taken from you in a, in a, in a moment. Um, God's deliverance is going to be, you know, come to those whose hearts were right with him. And, and this is the day of the Lord. He's not going to have any problem saving his people. And so, and I'm not discouraging people from, you know, preparing I'm merely trying to point out the, the, the seriousness of being spiritually prepared. And if you, know, if you don't have any uh, extra funds to buy any extra cans of tuna fish, I wouldn't worry about the small things. And that's a pretty small thing in the coming day of the Lord. But praise God, brother. Um, it's pretty exciting. It's good to be back. Um, I've been kind of distracted working too hard for the last uh, two months. And, um, you know, it was interesting, I've I literally been cranking up a huge project, and it, it was a tremendous success in terms of this project really would work, and and um, it was kind of like the Wright brothers, you know, building the first airplane, you know, you'd think everybody would be kind of happy, you know, hey, the plane flew, what do you think? But, you know, it, no good deed goes unpunished, and so... Um, even though this, um, this huge project I worked on was actually a huge success, the people I did it for found some reason to nevertheless be very uh, unhappy, <laughs> which left me completely in a conundrum. And and so I'm, I went and I sought the Lord, and I'm like, Lord, what is, you know, what is up with this? I, I did this, and it you know. The, this thing I worked on, for Frank, it is so good, but the law firm that was like, Helping, they were doing the technical review to make sure all of my legal strategies, you know, squared off perfectly within the law. Mm-hmm. They asked me per- for permission to publish this in the annual tax institute papers for the year from one of the big prestigious, uh, you know, graduate schools. And so, like, this was like pretty big time stuff, and yet it was not well received. Kind of bizarre. But in any event, I said, Lord, you know, I don't get it. <laughs> What's up? I opened my Bible, Frank, to Second to Kings chapter six, and I read, "The sons of the prophets said to Elijah, Behold, this place where we're working, it, it's too uncomfortable. It's it's too painful. It's too difficult. It's terrible for us. Let us go. We're we're asking you. Well, let us go to Jordan now, and and we'll go there and make a place for ourselves.'" and and there we may dwell, and he answered, and he said, "Go, so this is sort of like ironic that I'd done some of the best work in my career, and yet it was sort of um, for bizarre reasons not well received, um, even though it was actually you know astonishing i mean, I would give the credit to the Lord, the quality of what was done was almost a miracle, and yet it was like, well, we you know that didn't work, so now what do we do? Let's go to Jordan people." <laughs> A bus is going to be leaving soon. Hallelujah. So what do you think, Frank? Isn't that amazing?
0: Yeah, I think maybe we might want to pack our bags for Petra. But anyways.
1: It wouldn't be a bad idea to be praying about um, what you should do next for sure. So let's let's Amen. do a little bit of work in Ezekiel. I'm not sure how far we're going to get. We might have to do a part two on this because uh, I don't want to rush through it. But um, I'd like to start with Ezekiel chapter 9, if everybody's got their Bibles open. Let's go to Ezekiel 9, hallelujah. And um, I'm going to read from, I guess this is a King James Version. that he cried in my ears with a loud voice, saying, Cause them that have charge over the city to draw near. Every man with his destroying weapon in his hand, and that word in Hebrew for charge is pekadah And it actually translates as visitation or an official accounting. And the Hebrew translation describes these men as the punishers of the city or the executioners of a the city. These are warrior spirits sent forth for the final judgment. In Ezekiel 9, uh, verse 2, Behold, six men came from the way of the upper gate, which lieth towards the north. And you know, the Lord, the presence of God, actually dwells in the north. So coming forth from the presence of God, every man with a slaughter weapon in his hand. And one man in the midst of them clothed in linen, with a rider's inkhorn by his side. And they went in and stood beside the brazen altar. And so here, the picture, God's calling forth the warriors, the executioners. He's about to enter into final judgment with Israel. And so he calls forth the ones who have the authority to execute the judgment. And among them is a rider, is one who's not armed, doesn't have a slaughter weapon. Instead, he's literally just wearing linen, clean garments, and he has an inkhorn by his side. And he stands with the six destroyers. And this principle or the picture of fine linen, it's really fascinating um, where it appears in Scripture. We're first introduced to the word fine linen in Pharaoh's prom- promotion of Joseph in Genesis 41, verse 42. Pharaoh took off the ring from his hand and he put it on Joseph's hand, and then he changed Joseph's garments, and he he put vestures of fine linen upon Joseph, and a gold chain about his neck. So, you know, fine linen was was a symbolic of one who's been appointed to royalty, of one who is who is favored of the king. And again, in the book of Daniel, we're introduced to the concept of a of a messenger wearing linen, where in Daniel 10, beginning in verse 5, Daniel says, I lifted up my eyes, and I looked, and behold, there was a man clothed in linen, and his loins were girded with fine gold, and his body was like beryl. His face had the appearance of lightning. Remember that lightning concept, because we're going to come back to that. And his eyes as the very flames of fire, and his arms and his feet were like polished brass. And, of course, brass represents the fire of the burning altar of sacrifice that burns in the heavens and it's a picture of that which has already been purified in the fire the hands and the feet have already been burned and in his voice like the words of the voice of a multitude and this is the one who wears fine linen and again in Ezekiel 44 we're given um, a reference to servants of God who wear fine linen In verse 15, the scripture reads, But as for the priests, the sons of Zadok, who kept the charge of my sanctuary, the priests that were faithful to the Lord, they will come near to me, to minister unto me, and they shall stand before me, and they shall enter my sanctuary, and they will come near my table, and they will minister to me, and it shall come to pass when they enter the inner court, they will be clothed with linen garments. So the, the linen is a is a picture of, of the garments of those who've been called to minister before the Lord and who've been set apart and honored by God. And in many ways, the garments are humble garments, but they're also clean garments in a world that is very much unclean today. These messengers, they stand in clean garments. And and again, in the the linen is part of the story of scripture in Matthew 27 after the lord had died on the cross and joseph of arimathea came and, and took the body of jesus he wrapped jesus in clean linen cloth and, and so the lord laid in the tomb for 3 days in fine linen in clean linen and then on the third day, when the disciples received the word from Mary, Peter arose and he ran to the sepulcher. This is Luke 24, verse 12. And stooping down, and, and he beheld the linen clothes that were by themselves now in the empty tomb. And he departed, wondering what had just come to pass. The Lord was no longer wearing the linen of this world. He was now in his glorified body. He was raised in a body, which is incredible. But now he's wearing the linen of heaven. And, and lastly, the linen is referenced in the book of Revelation. I just think this is kind of cool. In Revelation 19, starting in verse 11, the, the apostle John wrote, And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him, upon the horse, was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness does he judge and make war. And his eyes are as the flames of fire. And on his head many crowns. And he has a name written, which no man knows, only he himself. And he's clothed with a vesture that was dipped in blood. His name is the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven follow him on white horses. And they are clothed in fine linen, white and clean. So, you know, what an awesome reference and testimony of this Metaphor of white linen linen that goes all the way back to Joseph being promoted, to, to the, the servants of God being set apart, to the priests who serve in the inner chambers before the Lord, and, and now to, to Jesus himself, and now to the armies that come with the Lord, they too clothed in fine linen. Praise God, let's make sure our garments are clean. Yeah, it's time to clean our garments. We need to be sure we're wearing the fine linen. Because if you've got the fine linen, the clean garments that can only be given to you from the Lord, then it's, uh, it's going to be fine if you don't have any tuna fish. You don't need the gold coin. If you needed a gold coin, you would have a gold coin if you were wearing the the royal garments of the servants of the king. So, hallelujah. In Ezekiel chapter 9, verse 3. And the glory of the God of Israel was gone up from the cherub whereupon it was to the threshold of the house of the temple. And he called to the man clothed in linen who had the inkhorn by his side. And I want to stress the glory of the God of Israel had gone up from a cherub whereupon it was. The glory of God had been resting upon the cherubim. And now, as the Lord is ready to... He's literally had enough of the wickedness of Israel. He's had enough. He's leaving. The glory of God is departing. He's ready to send in the slaughterers. The executioners are coming. The judgment is on its way. And so the the glory of God is lifted up from the cherubim and goes all the way to the threshold of the temple. And then the Lord calls back to the one clothed in linen who had the inkhorn by his side. And, and that word for cherub in Hebrew is karub, And it comes from the root word kara, which means, this is really awesome, it means to have a feast. It's like a wedding feast. The very presence of God in a place of rejoicing and you know if you look in your strong's concordance it'll tell you that the cherub was an imaginary figure well i would differ with the supposed scholars on this one because i don't think the glory of the lord came of from off of an imaginary figure i don't think the lord put an imaginary figure in the garden of eden with a flaming sword to guard the tree of life i think the cherubim are very much real um, you know, we're gonna look at who and, and what they are in the in the time that remains tonight because it's absolutely awesome who the cherubim are. And you know, they are the the chariots, the living chariots of the Almighty God. We'll see from the scripture how the Lord talks about mounting up. He literally stands upon the shoulders of the cherubim, and they are his chariot of fire when he comes to visit the earth. And they are actually a living chariot. The word means caribou or carab, and it literally means to be gracious or to bless. It's the favor of God in the camp of the righteous. It's when the Lord comes to rescue David. It's when God comes for the salvation of his anointed. And he's coming with graciousness. He's coming with blessing. But that word also translates as a thundercloud. It translates as a great storm. It's the great and mighty chariot of the living God. And it comes with judgment as well as mercy and grace for his righteous. As I mentioned, God first mentions cherubim in Genesis 3 when he talks about literally putting a guard around the tree of life so that Adam and Eve couldn't eat of the tree of life and then not ever die, and having lived forever in the state of sin, they would be forever barred from the presence of God. And again, you know, the the cherubim... Are introduced in Scripture in a number of places. In Psalm 18, um, this is uh, King David writing, of speaking of the Lord, and he says, He, the Lord, bowed the heavens and came down. The Lord does come down here to the earth. He visits. I mean, how awesome. Wouldn't you love Him to come and visit at your house? Amen. Mm-hmm. We all want the Lord to come and and visit us in our house like he visited Abraham. And it says, and darkness was under his feet and he rode upon a cherub. Now, I don't think the Lord was riding on an imaginary creature. I think this is real. Whatever and whoever these cherubim are, God's going to ride upon them. The presence of God, the glory of the, of the God of heaven comes upon the cherubim and the seraphim and it says, he rode on the cherubim, cherubim, and he did fly. Yes, he flew upon the wings of the wind. And that word for wings really means the edge of the wind, the thunderstorm. He made darkness his secret place. His pavilion round about him was dark water and the thick cloud of the skies, and the brightness was before him. The Lord thundered in the heavens, and he gave forth his voice with hailstones and coals of fire. And we'll see the coals of fire are related to the ministry of the cherubim as we get into the text in Ezekiel. And again in um, 2 Samuel, uh, six—pardon me, chapter 6, verse 2, the scripture says, And David arose and went with all the people that were with him. To bring up the Ark of God, which whose name is called by the name of the Lord of Hosts, who dwells between the cherubim. Cherubim, con- they compromised, they, they represented the actual throne from which God speaks to his people from heaven. Numbers 7, verse 89. When Moses had gone into the tabernacle of the congregation, he heard the voice of the Lord speaking to him from the seat that was upon the ark, from between the two cherubim, and the Lord spoke unto him. So Moses is in the very tabernacle, the very voice of God coming forth literally from between the cherubim who were over the ark of the covenant. How awesome for Moses and the Lord chose to speak. God's presence with us is through the cherubim. That comprise his mercy seat and his chariot of fire. First uh, Chronicles twenty-eight, and for the altar of incense, refined gold by weight, and gold for the pattern of the chariot of the cherubim. Here, you know, this is the the blueprint, if you will, for construction of the tabernacle, for construction of the temple, and Dave, this is David describing this to Solomon. In 1 Chronicles, and he says, For the pattern of the chariot of the cherubim, the cherubim were literally the the chariot of fire of God that spread out their wings, and they covered the Ark of the Covenant. And all this, said David, the Lord made me understand in writing by his hand coming upon me even all the works of this pattern. So the revelation of the cherubim as the fiery chariots of God was given to King David by the Holy Spirit. And, you know, what's really awesome is in the Old Covenant and in the Ark and in the Temple worship, the cherubim were pictured as the creatures with wings. In the New Temple of Ezekiel 41, the Temple itself is built with cherubim. Read it carefully. Ezekiel 41, verse 17 to, uh, "...to that above the door, even unto the inner house, and without, and by all the wall round about, within and without, by measure, and it was made with cherubim and with palm trees." So now God is taking the cherubim. They're no longer His chariot of fire. They're the living temple. They're no longer the, the servants of glory upon the mercy seat. They're no longer the purified, anointed servants of fire. They're not the chariot of fire. They're not the literal burning throne of the Mighty One. Now they are the new temple itself. The new temple is being constructed with them. They're not some imaginary form. God didn't make a pretend new temple. These are metaphors, yes. They are pictures of a spiritual reality, yes. But they're not imaginary. They're real. And the new temple was made with cherubim and palm trees. So that there was a palm tree between the cherub and another cherub. And every one of the cherubim had two faces. Before, under the old covenant, there were four faces revealed. of The four attributes of these living creatures that represent... Well, I don't want to jump the gun. Some of you are beginning to understand who these cherubim might represent. Now in the new temple, they're, they're now being revealed to us as having two faces. The face of a man and the face of a lion. Well, we know who the men are. We're the, we're the created sons and daughters of God. We are the children of the living God who will be redeemed into the very nature of God. And so the question is, who's the lion among us? We're going to share his nature soon, children. Don't be troubling yourself about the great tribulation. That is the time of the evil ones, but it's not going to touch the anointed remnant, nor is it going to touch the ones whom the Lord has decreed to deliver in this time. As Jesus said, I will protect that which is mine, and nothing will touch you other than what the Lord allows, and All of these trials that come into our lives, all they are designed to accomplish is to purify us, to make us white, that our garments, that our linen garments would be pure and clean. And so we can help the process along by fasting and praying, or not, and we can let the Lord do the work in us, which he does by fire. And the fire does get hot for sure, but God only does what is necessary to bring us to the place of blessing and holiness in Him. But here, the new temple is actually being constructed with cherubim and palm trees. Well, the trees are the plantings of God. These are spiritual trees. They represent His people. So who are the cherubim? They're the people being transformed. These anointed ones The glory of God is literally displayed. God literally reveals His glory upon the cherubim. That's what we are called to become. God's glory is going to be upon the faces of His people. And if you look at the cherubim in the new temple, you're going to see two faces. You know? Do you guys remember, those of you that are old enough, there was this little program when we were kids. It was called Romper Room, and it was kind of silly, but um, I wasn't really a big fan, but I think my little sister liked it. But I would watch it, and the, and the lady would hold up this, like, m- pretend mirror. and literally, She could, literally was looking at the camera, and she would be saying, Oh, and I see, I see Ricky and Jimmy. And I see Frank and Benjamin. And at the same time, I see the Lion of Judah coming upon every one of his people in an anointing without measure. And that's the day we're entering into. That's the second half of the ministry of the Almighty One. When he comes in his people, you know, and everyone's confused with, oh, Benjamin, am I in the 144,000? Well, how would I know? I don't have the list. But in any event, the entire remnant is going to be redeemed with an anointing without measure. And then the entire Ecclesia, when we get to the kingdom, we're all going to be like he is. That's in the scripture. We shall be as he is. And we shall see him and know him for who he is. Because we will have been fully redeemed. The complete redemption, the coming total redemption of the church. And if you guys have not read the book, Volume 4, I Am the Door. You should read it because it really delves into this, but in in great detail, and it is of great encouragement. But here we're given the same revelation in Ezekiel 9. Here the cherubim are going to be used to display the glory of God. And so, in, in Ezekiel 41, dealing with the new temple, we're shown that the cherubim represent the face of a man who are the creation of God and the face of the lion, who is the lion of Judah. As the, Literally, the presence of Jesus begins to transume his people, and we become like him. You won't be able to tell where your spirit man and your personality and your identity stops. Where the Spirit of God and the identity of Jesus begins within you. Amen. We are going to be so changed that we will be a new creation. And not just in our spirit man, but our whole soulical man. Our heart, our mind completely renewed, our soul completely set free, our temple completely cleansed. And then we'll be the ones standing in white linen. Riding on horses, following the one whose name is the Word of God. And that's our destiny, brothers and sisters. That's the day that is before us. Now the world should be afraid. Because the judgment that is coming... God said it's going to be infinite. That's in the Word. He didn't use exactly that term, but... That is essentially what the Scripture declares about the judgment coming upon the wicked. An infinite God is going to pour out all of His wrath. And I got news for you. We who walk with the Lord, we are vexed by what we see daily. But the Lord is more angry than even we are. Now let's go forward... um, In Ezekiel 9, verse 4, And Jehovah said unto him, unto the man with the inkhorn, who, by the way, is is merely a scribe. This is a writer. This is someone who literally takes notes for God and keeps records for the Lord. And the Lord said to him, Go through the midst of the city, through the midst of Jerusalem, and set a mark upon the foreheads of the men that sigh and cry over the abominations that are done in the midst thereof. And that word for sigh is anach, and it means to groan, to be grieved, to mourn. And the word for cry is a close derivative. It's enach. And it means to shriek, to cry out, to scream. And the wickedness that is now being displayed openly is horrible. And the righteous, those who still love the truth, they groan. They mourn. You can't even watch TV. There's so many defiled even trying to watch something as, as harmless as you know a decent movie or maybe the evening news or you know perhaps a sporting event and you've got perversion and, and all forms of wickedness on the commercials you know you just got to turn the TV off it's defiling you watch the news everything that's you know you listen to our political leaders and you're groaning you're know, like these people are insane they're voting to kill babies. And then they want to pervert children. And we're grieved and we're groaning. And we can't stand any more of it. And our souls are being vexed. And we're crying out to the Lord. Lord, deliver us. Bring an end to this wickedness. And so the Lord said to the rider with the inkhorn, go through the city and, and put a mark on the foreheads. Put, put my Mark, which is the letter Tav, which represents the cross, the sign of the Christian. Put the cross on the foreheads, the Aleph tav the beginning and the end, the mark of my name on the foreheads of all of the children of men who sigh and groan over the abominations that are being done in the midst of America. And to the others, he said, go through the city and follow the... The man with the ink horn, and smite, and let not your eyes spare, neither have pity. And that word for smite in Hebrew is nakhah, and it means to strike severely, to slaughter, to murder, to punish, and to wound. Slaughter them, and slay utterly the old, the young, the virgin, the children, the women. But do not come near any man on whom is the mark, and begin at my sanctuary." And so they began with the old, with the elders, the old men that were before the house. And, you know, that is incredible. But don't come near any man. The word is ish, okay? It is not isha, which is a woman. Don't come near any man. Well, what about the children? What about the women? Well, where do they come in this list? Well, it's a lot like um, Achan and his family in the in the wilderness. Achan hid the w- wedge of silver in the tent. The whole family. The curse went right through the bloodline. The whole family perished. It's, it's a serious time. Wives pray for your husbands. The children are covered by the parents. It's a serious time. Don't come near the house of any of of the men who are groaning. And, you know, if the men are walking with the Lord, their wives are are in obedience as well, or covered by the mercy God places upon the house. The children are covered. And if not, then go and slay them all. Slay the, the young men, slay the virgins. It's a reference to young women, slay the little children and the women, but don't come near any man upon whom is the mark, nor any of his family, and begin at my sanctuary. And so they began with all of the televangelists who were on television in Babylon, America, with the exception of maybe one or two, who perhaps might escape the judgment that is due. And he said unto them, Defile the house and fill the courts with the slain. And go forth, and they went forth, and they smote in the city. And that word for defile is tome, and it means to become foul, to stink, to be contaminated, to be unclean. Make my house, make my church unclean. Well, that's been accomplished. And fill it with the flame. The word is kahal, and it means polluted, profaned. The people that are diseased and dying. Well, there's your Laodicean church. Spiritual skid row, it's defiled, it's polluted, it's full of disease, and it's full of people that are dying, and they got no idea they're going to hell. I don't know how I got saved. I mean, you guys probably feel the same. I don't know how any of us got saved, really. Uh, I mean, okay, I know the right answer is God's grace and everything. Yes, he showed us mercy. He didn't want to destroy all of humanity. How did we get on this list? You know, obviously it had nothing to do with what we did, because we didn't do anything to merit this. But, you know, clearly one of the issues is that we who have received salvation also received the love of the truth. And even though we were sinners like they were, we love the truth. We acknowledge it. We want to repent. We're crying out for deliverance. We want to return to righteousness. We're grieving over this evil. We're not rejoicing in it. But still, you know, as the scripture said, if the righteous scarcely be saved, where will the ungodly and the sinner appear? And the truth be told, you don't want to see where the ungodly and the sinners will be appearing. Ezekiel 9, verse 8, And it came to pass, as they were smiting the nation... And I was left, I fell on my face, and I cried, and I said, Lord Jehovah, will you destroy all the remnant of Israel in pouring out thy great wrath upon Jerusalem? And the Lord answered and said, The iniquity of the house of Israel and Judah is exceedingly great, and the land is defiled by the blood shed therein, and the city is full of the resting of judgment. For they say, The Lord has forsaken the land, and the Lord seeth not. And as for me, my eye will not spare them, neither will I pity them. But I will bring their own ways upon their heads. And behold, the man clothed in linen, who had the inkhorn by his side, the scribe of the word of God, came back and, and reported the matter. And he said to the Lord, I have done as thou has commanded me. And that's the end of chapter nine. And you know, Frank, maybe we should um continue Yeah, brother that ten another time.
0: Yeah, that's the heaviest chapter in my opinion in the entire word of God. Um that's it's pretty serious. That's no, no that's doubt. that's that's serious stuff and um folks, I, I just want to tell you right now, um, this is a description of modern day America. We're filled with perverseness we are the most perverted place, and we are filled full of the blood of innocent children i mean if he it's right there and God is saying go out and mark those who are burdened that have the same care that he has and he sees when we see this sin it brings up this you know cry and saying God, how much longer i mean this is horrible and and that's his heart. This is God's heart shared right here. And he's saying there are people that share my heart. And Benjamin, I believe God wants us to share this same burden that he has for what's happening to this nation, these people here. It's horrible.
1: It's horrible. It's, it's almost it's incomprehensible how dark it's yeah. become.
0: Yeah.
1: It is. People being, pastors are being arrested for preaching the Word of God. Parents are being thrown in jail for, you know, trying to tell their children that there are only two genders. For trying to stop their teenage children from pursuing a, you know, sex change operation. This is insane. And America is on display before the world. Is a house divided and a people, a lad insane, a nation insane, the laughing stock of the world now. What other country has 300 genders? This is ridiculous.
0: It's disgusting.:
1: It's outrageous. It's insanity. Satan must just be laughing at. How low can I make them go? How defiled can I fill the house? How much defilement can he bring into this country? And then how much can he get accepted in these apostate churches?
0: So- Sodom and Gomorrah was never as wicked as this nation was. as perverse perverse.
1: Clearly, clearly true. The scripture is very clear. This is the most wicked generation of all time. It faces the most extreme judgment of all time. You want no part of it, my friend? Seriously. Forget that tuna fish, and the gold means nothing, get your heart and your house ready, because the judgment of God is actually about to begin. And I'm sure the naysayers, oh, Benjamin, you've thought that for 23 years. Yeah. Striking number, isn't it? And so did Jeremiah, you know? Go read the book of Jeremiah. At one point, he's like, Lord, I've been warning, you know, and telling people this was coming, and nothing happened. Did you deceive me? And like the next year was the 23rd year. And, and then the people woke in the morning and the armies of Babylon were on the mountains surrounding Jerusalem. After 70 years of captivity, God's about to redeem his people. And the armies of America are surrounding this nation. Russian navies in Caribbean right now. They're in the Caribbean. Iran is threatening. When you see the war begin in the Persian Gulf, and it begins in the Middle East, Jeremiah 50, verse 44, from the swelling of the Jordan, that's the war beginning in the Gulf of the Middle East. When you see the first American carrier hit with a hypersonic missile, and I saw this in a dream. It's clear as day. I was watching television, and the the program changed. Breaking news, American carrier hit in the Gulf and they showed a picture of an American aircraft carrier in the center where the control tower would have been. Nothing but a huge black plume of smoke from a massive, what must have been a missile strike, hitting this carrier. When you see that on the news, brothers and sisters, you can know for sure it has begun. So, hey, hallelujah. The good news is we're going to be fine, We're not the people in trouble, um, but we definitely need to humble ourselves and repent and turn from our wicked ways and seek the face of the Lord and begin to obey the commandments of God. And it's very clear we were commanded to fast and pray. You know what blows my mind, Frank? I mean, I interview a lot of people because I talk to a lot of people because I guess I just can't shut up i keep trying to warn this nation and i've asked so many christians who i've had a chance to talk to you know have they ever fasted and prayed and and frank like 99 percent of the people have not even fasted one day i mean a small fraction of people would be like well you know i skipped lunch once are you kidding me no these people are not disciples Jesus said, you know, after I'm taken from them, all of my disciples will fast and pray. This is a generation of people who claim the name of the Lord, but none of them are his disciples. Because none of them have ever fasted, even for one day. They skip one meal. Well, I guess it's better than nothing. Maybe. I mean, it basically is nothing. Nothing. If you're not fasting and praying, you're not moving forward spiritually. And if you're not moving forward spiritually, you're probably a dead man or woman in the next year or so. Mm. You know, and okay, fine, that's your business. Do whatever you want. You know, the part that upsets me is if you're a father or a mother, you're probably going to get your kids killed. Now, that bothers me. You want to be stupid and go kill yourself? You know? Ignore the warnings from heaven? Think you can, you know, stockpile enough Stuff in the flesh that you can survive the day of the Lord on your own strength. You know, I mean, really? You're going to try that theory out? The Bible I read says you lose. The part that really upsets me is if you've got little kids, now I'm bothered. Now it matters to me, okay? You want to go do that yourself? You know, fine. You you don't have any children, go march yourself off a cliff. You know, if you belong to the Lord, yeah, you'll get saved. You know, the dead in Christ rise first. You'll, we'll see you at the kingdom. You might not have much of a re- reward waiting for you, but, you know, maybe you'll get there with the smell of smoke on your garments. I don't know. To me, it's all about saving the kids. So oh, I'm...
0: Amen. And, and folks, Benjamin mentioned something earlier, and, and this is true. I mean, if you're a, a spouse, and, or you're a husband, or a mother, and you're like, "Man, my my husband's not there. My my children are there," go read the promises, and go read in First Corinthians seven about the power of the believing spouse and what the covering over Amen. the unbelieving. It's amazing. It's it's so. It's one of the most promising. Passages in the New Testament for the marriage and the children. Look what your life can be a covering, you know. But the un, you know so um, the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife, and the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. Elsewhere, your children unclean, but now are they holy? I mean, it's powerful, folks. God Amen. can do a Thank lot for through one that. sanctified believer, huh? Thank you for
1: correcting that, Frank. I probably left the wrong impression with the scripture text that dealt with the men. Absolutely true. woman of God, you get your heart right before the Lord. I'm telling you, there's nothing more powerful than when Mama prays. Heaven hears the prayers of the mothers and the grandmothers whose hearts are right with the Lord. Heaven hears, and God moves, and you're going to be fine. Everyone who belongs to the Lord is going to be fine. He's going to protect us. We don't need to get afraid, and we don't need to be, you know, fearful about what is coming. We just need to learn the fear of the Lord, which is the beginning of wisdom, and the evidence thereof is that we obey the Lord. And fasting and prayer would be really, really a a good thing to consider. You know, pray about how the Lord would have you do that. Amen. Amen. Amen.
0: Praise God, brother. That was powerful. And folks, um, I, listen, Ezekiel 9, I shared with Benjamin. Years I had went to a church. I would sent the information off. This is my sermon. On Ezekiel 9, I was going to preach this. I had been convicted over it and, and everything. And I got to the church, and it became evident to me that I was not to preach this message. And I had to change it and apologize and tell them I'm switching when I'm speaking. Because it, made, it was made abundantly clear to me. That when I am in that place where I am sighing and crying and weeping over the things, then I can preach this sermon. God is dead serious about us seeing the world through his eyes. And our journey in prayer and fasting and seeking him brings us closer to his heart. And then you will begin to not just see the wicked, but you will begin to see the lost souls and and what's on his heart and how he cares and it'll tear you apart. Benjamin, thank you for sharing tonight this reality check from Ezekiel chapter 9. This is, this is essential Christianity. Brothers and sisters, God bless you so much. And please check us back next week. Thanks, Brother Benjamin, for coming on. This is Brother Frank and Brother Benjamin Baruch from the Remnant Call saying to everybody good night and shalom.